Once again, welcome to church. We're happy to worship God with you. Um, and at this time, we're going to meditate on God's word. I ask that you keep your hearts open and minds open as we meditate and see what God has to speak to us today. You know, this, this past week, that is the week that went by, uh, I was running around getting some work done for the church and somewhere in my heart fear started to build up because we are buying some things and you know, many thoughts running in my mind <clears throat> and uh, fear started to build up. And so I began to think, what if I fail in the things that I am doing? You know, this is a real feeling that pastors go through, <laughs> not just the believers. Uh, we are not super special in any way. Sometimes, you know, things, thoughts like, okay, what if... I'm doing the wrong thing. What if is this truly God's will for me? Uh, these sort of thoughts keep coming into my mind. And oftentimes what these thoughts do is that it makes me stop doing what I'm doing for the Lord. And as I was thinking about it, as I was going through all those thoughts, I felt God remind me saying that I am not called to survive, but I'm called to flourish. Amen. In other words, in everything that God has called us to do, God always helps us flourish. He always helps us be the first. Or let me put it this way. In everything that God has called us to do, He wants us to be the best at it. He doesn't want us to simply survive and make it through everything that we do in life, but He wants us to flourish. If you're a student who is studying, God wants you to be a student who others will look up to. If you're someone who is working, God wants you to be an employee whom others will look up and say, I want to be like him. I want to work hard like him. I want to be innovative like him. God wants us to flourish in everything that we are given to do. He wants us to flourish in everything that he has called us to do. In everything that we are assigned to do as we are on this earth. Many times, you know, as students, we like to get the passing mark. I just heard some testimonies. I'm not pointing. <laughs> Many times, as students, we love to get that passing mark. You know, I, I look at my life, there are some things that I regret because, you know, I have wasted during my studies, uh, during my theological studies, I've wasted time on other things than studies. And Sometimes I think to myself, you know, maybe I could have, you know, gotten good marks. The, the reason I was not able to get good marks was because I was happy with the minimum. I was happy just scraping through, passing and just feeling, okay, I've made it. Let the next semester come. I will do something better. <laughs> but what we do is, is it will be the same story over and over again. Sometimes even in the work that we're doing, we somehow like to just do the work, make some money, go home. Do the work, make some profit and go home. We won't like, you know, sometimes taking new risks or new initiative. Rather, we become, you know, comfortable where we are, become happy where we are. What we are often doing is this. What we are often doing is we are simply surviving. We are simply surviving. If you look at the life of the Israelites and God chose them as a nation, one of the blessings that God gave Israel was for them to flourish. If you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12 to 13, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12 to 13, God says like this, The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give you the rain to your land in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. In verse 13, God says, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. 
we see clearly that God wanted Israel as a nation to flourish. God says you will, be a, you will not be a borrower but a lender. So you will not be the tail but the head. You will be above all things. In other words, you will be on top. You will be the one that flourishes, not the one who simply survives. You will be the one who is prosperous. Amen. Before I continue, I want to give this disclaimer. It's really important in the time and age we are living. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I don't believe in that. What I believe is that God loves to see his children flourish. But many times we keep falling short of that. Instead of looking at the provision that God has for us, we look at what we have and we you know, reduce ourselves to that. When God called Israel as a nation, he is telling them that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open the heavens. That I will give you the rain. That, that it will fall in its season. That your land will be blessed. You will be the one who will lend to many nations. Not borrow from other nations. You will be above and not beneath. So God is talking about this sort of a flourishing. This sort of prosperity. So I want to make it clear I'm not going there to the prosperity gospel. I'm sticking to the true gospel that is found in scripture. So let's go back. God intentions, God's intention to Israel was very clear that is for them to prosper. As we look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12 to 13, it reveals to us the heart of God, the plan for God's people to flourish and for his people to prosper. Like I said before, we are happy with where we are. Uh, I, I remember this when I was in 12th standard. Uh, um, I got some marks that I wasn't very proud about, but there was enough, another friend of mine. You know, there's always this one friend in life that you have who will cry even if they get 95. You've got to really pray for them, uh, that God will deliver them. <laughs> and this, uh, this friend of mine, she got 95 and uh, my dad told me that she was crying. She was a family friend. And uh, I was like, I looked at my marks, it's, it's way less. And I was like, okay, God, thank you, I made it through. Uh, and, you know, I look back, I really look back and I realize I could have gotten better marks. I realize I could have gotten better marks if I put in the hard work that was required. But the reason I did not do that because I was happy with where I was in life. I was happy with the simple things that I was able to do. And you know, as I, as I grew older, got married, those habits also started creeping into the family. I, you know, somehow, you know, it's easy to survive. Month begins by the 10th, pay the rent, pay the maintenance, pay the electricity bill, and by the 29th, you just have a big sigh of relief, and then next month, you're just happy doing that sometimes. We become so comfortable in surviving, and I started to notice that the habits that I had in 12th standard is creeping into even my marriage life. Many times that can become the story of our lives. Instead of living a victorious of life, you know, in Christ Jesus, we only live to survive. Instead of being the best at what God has called us to do, we only do something just to survive for that moment. We are happy with the little things, the little progress that we are making in life, and we have grown to become okay with it. And as I look at scripture and as I share this with you, I strongly believe that God wants you to change the way you live life. He wants you to change the way you even think about life. He wants you to be the one who flourishes, not simply the one who survives through everything. We have to move from the level of a survivor to the one 
who flourishes in life. Amen? Amen? So how can you flourish in life? How can you be the one who flourishes in the things that God, God has called you to do? I want to talk about a couple of things here. First, if you want to flourish in life, if you want to flourish in your calling, the first thing you have to do is that you have to be determined. You have to be determined. If you decide to flourish, you've got to be determined. Determination means to be firm and fixed on the goal. That you will achieve it no matter what happens. That no matter what happens, you will achieve it. And David puts it this way in Psalm 27 verse 13. He says like this, I remain confident of this. What do I remain confident of? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now even in the midst of trouble, Psalmist says that he is determined that he will see a solution to all his troubles. In this psalm, Psalmist was expressing this tough time uh, that he was walking through. And he strongly believes that God will change. He was very much determined about the solution that God will bring in his life. See, he was sure about life that he's not going to die like this. He was sure about life that he's not going to die in his troubles, but rather God will solve it. And that is why he says, I remain confident. I know there is trouble for me. I know there is threat for me outside. I know there is... There, is, there are people who are waiting to put me to death, but I remain confident. I remain determined that God will help me see his goodness in this land, in my lifetime. Amen. See, when you're determined, when you're fixed on the goal, it won't be easy to lose hope. Can I say that again? When you're determined, when you're fixed on the goal, it won't be easy to lose hope. The reason why we often lose hope in life is because... We fail to have a determination. When we look at the future, we are always scared of the future because we fail to have this strong determination in our life. When tribulations come and trials come, we think, oh Lord, this is the end of my life. Here I am. Take me. I give myself to you. you know, we think of, you know, as if this is the end of our life. But when we are determined, it will cause you to believe that even if anything can happen to you, you will believe that God will protect you. Amen. There was this pastor, I believe, in North Karnataka. He was serving the Lord and one day he was going on his bike. And he was stopped by two men. And so he thought, he thought that they've come for prayer. And he said, you know, what can I pray? What can I do for you? Uh, and uh, these men immediately pointed a gun, point blank, you know, on his face, right then and there. And next, what happened was they tried to press the trigger and the gun got jammed. True story. There was no one to protect him there, but you see what God does? And these men, when they saw that the gun didn't fire, they just left that scene and ran away. You see, when you're determined... Even in the tribulations, even in the troubles, when you remain strong, God will be there for you. Many times we feel weak and hopeless about life because we lack that determination. And you look at what the psalmist is saying. He says, I will see the goodness of the Lord. I know there is trouble for me, but I know things will change. I know there is things awaiting to uh, you know, rip apart my life, but I know for sure that good things will happen to me. Amen. You see, being determined in your calling and in the things that you're doing matters a lot. You know, we, we see an example of this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Paul says like this, 
Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. What does he say? Not that I've already attained all these things or I'm already perfected, but what do I do? I do one thing, I press on. Now these words, I press on, can be put as determination. Now where is he writing this from? Anybody knows the background of Philippians? Where is he writing from? From a house, of somebody's house? He's writing from a prison cell. Now if you were put in a prison today, Will you write to your parents saying, I know I'm here, but I press on. <laughs> we are like, Lord, what is this? You know, I'm, I'm, uh, please take me. But this man sitting in a prison cell, right, saying, I press on. See the kind of determination that he had. That even in the troubles, even in the trials, we have to be determined that this is not the end of life. And so when people come to me often and say, I'm going through the situation, what I tell them is this, very simple, this is not the end. You know, every time when we go through trials and tribulations, the enemy will make it seem like, you know, that, that like Krishna shared, that we are not even saved. He'll make us feel like a terrible person, he'll make us to abandon everything. What I've learned over the years is that, you know, sometimes you may not feel the goosebumps, you may not feel warm all the time. <laughs> I can tell you, I'm in ministry, I'm preaching week after week. Sometimes you even feel dry. But even in the dry situations, you can be sure that God is working. Many times we depend on our feelings to tell us that, oh, we are in a good relationship with God. If we feel good today, if we feel warm, if we feel nice, we think, okay, God is with me. But one day will come and you'll feel very dry and empty. What will you do? Will you depend on your feelings? No, you shouldn't. Rather, you should be determined and say, I know, though I don't feel like it, I know God is working. Job says like this, in all his troubles, I, I try to see him, I try to catch a glimpse of him, but I, I can't see him. I go to the east, but I can't find him. I go to the west, I can't find him. What he says is that, but I know he is at work. I know he is at work. You see, people who were determined had a hope for the future. People who were determined were the ones who were able to flourish. You look at Paul's life, sitting in a prison cell, right saying, I press on. He's talking about determination. You look at the end of his life in 2 Timothy, he says, I've run my race. In other words, I have completed what God has called me to do. In other words, he lived a life that was flourishing. He lived a life that was impactful. He lived a life of influence. He was able to do that simply because he pressed on. Even when troubles came in his life, he pressed on. If you, if you look at his life, you know, this man's life is amazing. We should, we should simply do and learn some valuable lessons about fulfilling God's will. Now, out of all the characters in the New Testament, there was only one man who wrote in the Bible saying, I've completed my race. Peter didn't write. Peter who walked on water didn't write. John the Apostle didn't write. But this man writes with confidence that I have completed what God has given me. You look at him, prison didn't stop him. Persecution didn't stop him. Even when friends left him, it didn't stop him. Death threats didn't stop him. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 20, verse 22, he says like this, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, 
Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Let's say you want to go to Udupi. Let's say you want to travel to Udupi, to Malpi Beach, and, you, and the Lord appears to you in a vision and says, Son, I know you're going to Udupi. I want you to go. But I want you to know there's on the way somebody is waiting for you to cause trouble. What will be your response? Lord, maybe tomorrow I will go. <laughs> or maybe I will skip this. Or maybe I'll do something else. This man had a goal. He had to reach Jerusalem. But at the same time, Holy Spirit is reminding him that there is threats waiting for you. But he says, I have to still go there. You see the kind of determination that he had? That is why he was able to live a life that flourished. Not a life that survived. Because when you live a life that is flourishing, when you're living with that determination, persecution will not stop you. Prison cannot stop you. People, even if people betray you, even if friends betray you at this age, I'm sure all of us have been through some sort of betrayal and backstabbing. And how many of you pray, pray for backstabbers? <laughs> it's very difficult, very, very difficult. When people leave us, it's very disappointing. But when we are determined, it won't matter to us. It won't matter to us. You look at what Paul says in Philippians 3.12. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, his determination was this, that I'm in prison, doesn't matter, but I'm going to press on to see what God wants me to do. I'm going to press on to fulfill the purpose for which God called me. I am going to be determined in that. You see, when you're determined, what will happen to you is that the enemy cannot plant thoughts of failure. When you're determined, this is one of the biggest things that the enemy will try to do. He will try to cause failure. But when you're determined, what will happen is you will not have room for such thoughts in your heart. When you're determined, you cannot be discouraged. When you're determined, you will always remain hopeful in life. Being determined helps you flourish in the calling that God has given you. Being determined helps you live life in the way that God has designed for you. I wonder how your life is today. Are you living a life that is just like a survivor? Or are you living life like a, the one who flourishes? And if you feel like, you know, I'm just surviving, I believe God wants to remind you through his word that you've got to be determined. That even in the trials, even in the tribulation, just be sure of who God is. That he will do this for me. You have said it, he will do this for me. He's the one who protects me. And I can, I'll tell you this, 100 percent, he never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away. People around you will, will move on in life. But his word for you will never ever fail. Be determined because that will cause you to be hopeful. Be determined. That will cause you to flourish in life. In everything that you do. In the work, in the studies that you do, just be determined. If you have an exam coming up, be determined that God will help me and put in the hard work and you will be able to flourish in life. Amen? Amen. I believe in a church that God wants you to flourish wherever He has put you. In your calling, in the things that He has given you, in your gifts, everything. God wants you to flourish. Amen. The second way to flourish is this. second way to flourish in life is this. You have to let the past go. 
Second way to flourish is that you have to let the past go. If we, de- if, we, if we decide to flourish, we have to deal with the past. We have to let the past go. Oftentimes we are like people who are carrying load on our back. Nobody can see it, but God knows it. And sometimes that load is called as unforgiveness. There's always this one person in our life whom we are not able to forgive. There's always this one memory in our heart that we are not able to get over. If we do not let the past go, we cannot flourish in life. We see an example of that in the life of Israelites. They came out of Egypt, walking into the promised land. As God was taking to a land that was better than Egypt, more bountiful than Egypt, as they were walking towards the promised land, what did they think about? They thought of Egypt. They forgot that they were slaves and God is leading them as free people to a land that is prosperous. But see what happened to them. Finally, God says, this generation will not enter into Canaan. When for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness until everyone except Joshua and Caleb died. Joshua and Caleb died. The reason why God did not let them enter into the future that God had for them is simply because that they could not let the past go. They were always living in this past memory. They were like people who are walking ahead, moving ahead in life with their mind set on the past. You see, the reason why we often fail in life, often fail to flourish in life is because we are deeply rooted in the past mistakes that we have done. God does not remember your mistakes anymore. The word forgive itself in Hebrew means, I forget what you've done. When God says, I have forgiven your sins, I remember them no more, it's gone. That's what the psalmist reminds us saying, Lord, if you had kept a record of all my wrongs, then who can stand? But in you there is forgiveness. In other words, God does not keep a record of all our wrongs. When we go to him and say, Lord, forgive me, he takes it away. But what we often do is, we are, we are very good at reminding ourselves of how miserable we are. We just, you know, when we are doing something good in life, we remind ourselves, okay, don't, don't be so happy. Remember two years ago, you did that. You, you were just another terrible person. We haven't let the past go. The mistakes still haunt us. Mistakes that we do still haunt us. If you look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 13, he says like this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. What was his mandate in life? He's like saying, he's saying, I, I want to do this. I want to forget what, what is behind and reach forward to the things that are ahead of me. Another reason why this man was able to flourish is because he let the past go. Yes, I killed people. Yes, I murdered many people. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm coming from a tribe that is the elite. I have things to brag about, things to boast about, but that's all the past. I leave all that behind. I don't look to what is behind me. I look to what is ahead of me. You see, even if the past was a good one, we shouldn't live there. Even if the past was a terrible one, we shouldn't live there. We have to overcome it and constantly look at the future and what God has for us. Because the more we are focused on the future, we will be able to flourish. We will be able to fulfill God's will and plan. You look at Israel, because they did not have a vision for the future, what happened is they were walking and listening to what God was saying. And also disobeying sometimes, but mostly 
they didn't think of Canaan as a land of blessing. When the, when the spies came with the report, what did the spies tell them? Oh, the, the, the descendants of Anak are there. The giants are there in the land and the whole camp. Imagine 20 lakh people crying. Sometimes, you know, Jeremy cries, I was, before I left home, today he was just cranky, he was so cranky, he scratched my face, it is still paining a little bit. <laughs> he, was, he was just naughty, you know, he was just very cranky and one baby crying, I was like, God, sometimes I was too tired in the afternoon. And just imagine 20 lakh people mourning because they heard about Canaan, that they cannot conquer it. I just wondered how Moses could have taken all that. The people cried not because God cannot provide. The people cried because they were living in the past. See, living in the past always makes you do things that are easy. Living in the past will always help you survive. Now, if you want to survive, live in the past. But if you want to flourish, let the past go. Even if it's somebody who hurt you, don't have to keep that in your mind. Don't have to keep that in your heart. And I can, I can tell you this, that, you know, when I... Uh, sometimes, you know, God will put a word in my heart and say, go talk to this person. And I will call them and I'll say, you know, sit down and talk with them. Uh, in my conversation with them, I'll say, okay, are you struggling with anything? And they'll be like, well, pastor, my life is good. I'm very good with the Lord. And I can see through and I can know, I know it's a lie. I know it's a lie. But uh, you, know, you know how a generation is? They don't want to deal with the mistakes. They have a problem, but they don't want to deal with it. Just imagine, most of you are from the medical field, that somebody is badly injured and you want to put some medicine in, he says, no, 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 I'll be all right. Just, we are laughing, but many of us are like that. We are living like that. There are past mistakes. You see, the way the world deal with, deals with the past is this. If one relationship breaks, find another one to cover up the past hurt. The reason why so many marriages break today, the reason why so many marriages are broken today is simply because people are entering into marriage without finding healing from the Lord. That is why we sang, you know, God, you are my healer. When we go through certain things, when people hurt us, when people betray us, when people break our confidence, when that hurts us, we have to go to the Lord and say, God, heal me. But our generation, I tell you, my generation, all of us, are so good at covering up and saying, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just with the Lord right now and I'm just experiencing His presence. I can tell you, there are times that I've spoken to people in this church and I know they are lying. When the Holy Spirit is, you know, was, was motivating a leader to go and help somebody, people don't want to be helped. They want to live where they are. What that makes them eventually is to be a survivor. Be the one who just survives through everything. Be the one who somehow makes it. But God's design for you is to not survive. Is to flourish. God says to Israel, I'm going to open the heavens to you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make you a nation that will lend to everybody. How many of you want to lend to some people? I, I'm, I'm sure none of you are paying any loans right now. By the time you're 30, you will start paying. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I've, I've completed four loans in my life. <laughs> and I can tell you it's not a very easy experience. Sometimes you know, we're like, God, I want to be the one who lends people. Lends to people. Somebody comes and asks, take it. God says to Israel that you will be the lender, not the borrower. You will be the head. You will be the ruler. You will be the nation that will be an influential one. And not the one who will be following others. We look at Israel. 
we can learn a lot through their mistakes and not you know bashing them or anything but you can learn a lot through their mistakes they went into exile again and again captivity again and again why they did not focus on god they did not stay committed to the lord and they were living in a life where it was sinful filled with immorality what god reminds us is this when we come out of something overcome that continue to live life in him if somebody has hurt you forgive let it go if somebody has betrayed you forgive let it go because when you do that you can flourish in life amen amen some of you might wonder lord i'm trying to do so many things in my life i'm trying to you know uh, study better and, and be a better student in class but somehow i'm not able to do that and i believe god is strongly reminding to us through his word saying you've got to let the past go See, no matter how old you grow in life, your past will keep knocking at your door. It will keep knocking at your door. You may think at 30 you have overcome. By the time you are 40, it will say hi to you. <laughs> it will say, hello, I am back, I am here to torment you about that. I tell you, if you stay focused and determined. When, when Paul writes this verse in Philippians, to the church at Philippi, he, was, he almost completed 27 years in ministry. Almost 20 plus, 25 plus years in ministry. And there also he says, I'm letting the past go. I look at what is behind. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on the goal. I'm focused on what Jesus has for me. If we live with that focus, if we let the past go and always stay focused on the future, I can assure you that you will live a life that will flourish. God's design for you. I want to remind you this again. Remind yourself this word every day. God's design for you is to not simply survive but to flourish. You are called to flourish. Tell yourself this. You are called to flourish. I am called to flourish. Come on, say it loudly. (laughs) Say it loudly. I am called to flourish and not simply be a survivor. Amen. The last point is this and this is the most important one. Keep God as the center of your life. Now though this is the last point, this is the very important one. It fuels the other two points. If we desire to flourish in life, we have to keep God at the center of our life. We have to keep God at the center. God speaks to Jeremiah, uh, to uh, the prophet, and gives a message to Israel. And he says like this, Jeremiah 2.13. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13. God says, for my people have committed two evils. And what are they? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they have made for themselves cisterns that cannot hold water. Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician, said like this, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. In other words, he reminds us that there is a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. You see, as human beings, all of us have a need to connect with something beyond ourselves. I met this man many years ago and he said, I'm not a Christian, but I'm seeking a higher power. As human beings, we always have this tendency to, to follow after something that is bigger than us. That is why we follow after heroes. That is why we follow after people who are uh, better than us. Why? Because we always have this tendency to do such a thing. 
Another trend that's becoming quite common is that the New Age movements, which tells us that you are a God. You are a God. You are another God. You are important. You are uh, greater. And so basically that's what they teach you. And as you go back to Jeremiah 2.13, God speaks to Israel and he says, They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Dug cisterns that cannot hold water. You see, all these new age movements, all these seeking after higher power, all these philosophies are just digging your own cistern that will never hold water. God says, they've forsaken me. They've forsaken me. Now, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way so that you'll understand it better. Every time we fail to read the word of God, every time we fail to pray and we keep putting it off because we're busy, I have class in the morning, I have work to go to, you know, as we keep you know, doing that for a longer period of time, what we're actually doing is that we're building cisterns that will leak. Because the need of every man is God. We need a word from him. We need to survive because we, we really need uh, his help. But if we don't find that, what we will do is we will find motivation from other people. That is why sometimes we call our friends just to receive some positive talk. We watch YouTube motivational videos just to you know, uh, feed ourselves on something new. When we do that, what we are actually doing is that we are building a well for us that's going to leak that's going to break and fall apart. But you know, if we keep him as a center of our life, if we keep God as the one that rules our life, if we constantly drink from the living water, what will happen is this. In Psalm 18 verse 29, Psalmist says like this, For by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. You see what he says? For by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. A very pointy expression of how, what will happen to us when God is the center of our life. When God is the center of your life, the things that seem impossible, impossible will become a possibilities because He is the center. Many times we are trying to you know, do things on our own, with our own, own, own self. We have, built, we have built our own cisterns and it is leaking we're somewhat trying, you're trying, trying, and we are simply surviving. God tells Jeremiah the prophet, my people have done two evils. They've forsaken the well of living water. And second, they have built wells for themselves. They've dug wells for themselves that are actually leaking, that are actually giving away. But if we keep God as the center of our life, you know what happens? You can run against a troop. The enemy will come against you like a flood. But you can easily overcome him in the name of Jesus when God is the center of your life. Psalmist goes on to say, by my God, I can leap over a wall. How many of you desire to leap over a wall? Keep Jesus as the center. In other words, it talks to us about overcoming every stumbling block. Overcoming every stumbling thought your way. And Psalmist says, by my God, not by me, not by what I can do, but by my God. I can what? I can leap over a wall. Amen. Everything that is coming against your life will cease when you keep Jesus at the center of your life. Center of your life. You know, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, 
Maybe you're feeling like a failure. Maybe you feel like you're worth nothing. But I, I believe this strongly that God wants you to know that you are not designed to live life like that. You were not designed to live life like that. You were not live, designed to live life with disappointment, not with discouragement, but designed to live a life where you can flourish, where you can be the head and not the tail. Where you can be the lender and not the borrower. Where you can be above all things and not be beneath anything. That's how God has designed you to live. And I pray that you will live that way. Amen. You are called to flourish. Don't seek to survive. Don't seek to make it through the end of the month. Don't somehow seek to uh, just somehow barely pass through everything. But seek to be the best. Because that is God's plan for you. Because when you are the best, you know what happens? You glorify God through that. You glorify God's name through that. It's not for ourselves, but it is for the glory of God. I want to remind you this once again. You were not designed to live life like a survivor, but the one who will flourish through every situation. Every situation.